0: Tonight and tomorrow, we know that Christmas is being celebrated by the majority of believers. It's also celebrated by people who are not believers. Some people believe in Yeshua a little bit, and others are completely secular. Some in the Messianic movement talk about whether or not Yeshua was really born this day. Does it really matter? We celebrate Yeshua every day. And we're thankful for his birth every day. We're thankful for his life every day. And we're thankful for his resurrection every day. And so... If some people, or the majority of people, would like to make this day a special day remembering his birth, amen. Many of you know that I don't think it's correct when people in the Hebrew Roots Movement or the Messianic Movement are critical of celebrating Christmas. You and I are committed to following Scripture. And this is what Scripture says, Colossians two sixteen and 17, Therefore do not let anyone pass judgment on you in matters of food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Shabbat. There are, they are a foreshadowing of things to come, but the reality is the Messiah. And if they are celebrating today, tonight, and tomorrow the reality of Messiah, amen, amen. Romans 14, 5 says, One person esteems one day over another, while another judges every day alike. Let let each be fully convinced in his own mind. And Matthew 7, verse 1 through 3 says, Stop judging. So that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the beam in your own eye? So what should the message this evening be all about? What, what is the important message of the, the day? So I've given you two, uh, well, one article. It's written uh, by somebody at FIRM. As you might remember, FIRM is is an Israeli organization that uh, partners with both Messianic uh, organizations as well as the church in Israel, trying to bring unity and trying to uh, let the world know uh, about the Lord. And the article that, uh, and luckily it's dark here, so you can't look while I'm speaking. Um, The article is called, What's So Jewish About Christmas? And I found this to be one of the best articles I've ever read on this subject. So I hope you enjoy it when you go home. The other thing that I gave you was something that I put together. It's a prophetic look at Yeshua the Messiah. And this is a list of prophecies and the fulfillment of those prophecies of Yeshua. It's a partial list. There's lots I'm left out, but I just wanted to give you one sheet front and back. Now, if you're on Facebook Live and you're saying, gee, I'd like to get those, uh, just email us at info at Sharesh David. That's right, Chris, isn't it? Yeah. Info at Shoresh And we will send it out to you. Okay, we'll just email it to you. So the purpose of this message this evening is to do two things. One is to strengthen your faith. And secondly... To help you keep the third commandment. Well, what's the third commandment? Well, this is, in my opinion, the third commandment is to share your faith. The first commandment is to love God. second commandment is to love your neighbor. And the third one is to share your faith. I believe that's fairly clear in the New Covenant. So, When you are sharing your faith with those who are Jewish, or anyone for that matter, I believe it's very impressive that the Messiah, and specifically Yeshua, is clearly seen in the Jewish scriptures, which some people refer to as the Old Testament. Right from the beginning of Abraham's life, we see the concept of Messiah. In Genesis 12.3, Abraham is told that, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So we can understand from that that something supernatural is going to happen from Abraham's lineage. It's not obvious yet, but something supernatural is going to happen because it's saying in in you all the families of the earth will be blessed and it is not just at that time but in future how's that even possible well we know looking back as how it's possible we see that it becomes more clear in genesis 49:10 when it talks about the scepter which is referring to that that Kingly, uh, talking about the kingship uh, will come from the line of Judah. And so the one who blesses will be a king or king-like. And as we build upon those verses in the Torah, we then see in 2 Samuel 7, 12 and 13, a promise to King David. And this is what it says. When your days are done and you sleep with your fathers, I will raise you up your seed who will come forth from you after you. And I will uh, establish his kingdom. He will build a house for my name and I will establish his royal throne forever. So we see here that now what was uh, a kingly uh, type of, 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 of messiah would have to be a forever messiah. And forever immediately makes us think of deity because we're realizing that forever actually begins where we can't figure out where and ends where we don't know where and that's forever. And this, this one who has come is going to be forever on the throne. And so this is uh, in the line of King David. Now, we have to figure out first who Messiah is. And so we don't go to the new covenant to find out who Messiah is because there it's plainly seen, we go to the prophetic nature of the Hebrew Scriptures to understand who Messiah is. So we start out, of course, with Isaiah 7.14, which is that he's born of a virgin. And we know that in Matthew 1.23, that's the fulfillment of it. If that were the only Scripture, maybe we'd have a little trouble. Though I think the God who performs all the miracles that he performed in the Hebrew scriptures certainly can do this too. But I understand Jewish people might not be comfortable with that yet. But it also says about the Messiah that he would come out of Egypt. Which is kind of strange, wouldn't you think? Uh, that's in Hosea 11, 1, And we find the fulfillment of that in Matthew 22, 14 and 15. We know that in Micah 5, 2, it says that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. Born in Bethlehem, coming out of Egypt, but that's what scripture says. And in Matthew 2, 4 through 6, we see the fulfillment of that. In Isaiah 9, 5 and 6, there's going to be a baby who's going to be called Mighty God. Talk about strange. Because it says, and and we're going to take a look at this scripture for a moment. It says, For to us a child is born. And by the way, I, I do have to mention this. As a Jewish person growing up, I honestly don't think I was ever shared with until I became a believer. But I did love to sing. And I was in choir. And what do you do in choir every time at this year? Handles Messiah. So I knew the scripture. I just thought it was the new covenant. I didn't realize that for unto us a child is. Well. You know, I thought that was new covenant, covenant, not the Hebrew scriptures. Oh, well, what did I know? So it says, for to us a child is born, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulder. How strange is that? That the government's going to be on this baby baby shoulder, or as he grows up, either way you want to look at it. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Now, from a Jewish point of view, that's blasphemy, unless he's deity. So, you have your choice. Mighty God, my Father of eternity, Prince of Peace. So, we get this sense that this baby is supernatural. And then, it says even more. Of the increase of his government and peace, the shalom, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it through justice and righteousness from now until forevermore, the zeal of Adonai Sevaot, the Lord of hosts, will accomplish this. From now until forevermore, This baby who is in the line of David will rule with justice and righteousness forever. And this was not accomplished by a person. This was accomplished by the Lord of hosts, which gives you some understanding of a child who's going to be born of a virgin. Because the other partner in that birth was the Lord God. And I believe that that understanding can be tied to this verse. Well, continuing. It talks about that at Messiah's birth, there would be tremendous sorrow. You find that in Jeremiah 31.15. And we know that there was terrible sorrow. We know that, yeah, the shepherds were out in the field, right, we understand that. But in the meantime, all the male, male boys between two and under were being killed. And so, this was a tremendous time of sorrow as we read in Jeremiah 31, which is the prophecy, and then seeing it actually fulfilled in Matthew 2.16. My point this evening as we continue on here, and I'll say this maybe a number of times, is I really believe you have to have more faith to believe that Yeshua is not the Messiah. Because there's so much evidence that he is. And that should encourage you. So then he has to be born before the destruction of the temple. We find that in Daniel nine, twenty-five and twenty-six. And we find out in Matthew twenty-four, two. We get a, a glimpse of that and know that the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D., which gives us an understanding that anybody who comes after 70 A.D. can't be the Messiah. It has to be somebody before 70 A.D. And that particular prophecy is way more specific than that, but we're not going to get into it. If you want to get into it, read Don's book, I Have a Friend Who's Jewish. He maps it out very clearly. Then... The Messiah would have to have a messenger who is preceding him to announce that he is coming. And we see that in Isaiah 40, verses 3 to 5, a little more from the Messiah. Come for Jesus. You know, the tenor solo. But I was never a tenor, so forget it. It would, it would not work well. Um. And then we find out in Luke 3, 3-6, it talks about John, Yochanan. We know that Messiah would have to be rejected by his own people. We see that in Isaiah 53-3 and fulfilled in John one 11, and John 7-5. We, we see that Messiah would have to be declared the Son of God. We get that from Psalm 2.7, and, and it was done in Matthew 3.16 and 17. I'll go to, uh, you, you can't see it, as I said, it's dark in here, but I will go to the last scripture, because all of what I've just said, pretty much, is on the page that I've given you. But the last one that I, I just love is that Messiah would be a sacrifice for the sins of the people. Now, when you are sharing your faith and you are making that statement, you have to understand, since we're going to use Isaiah, that Isaiah lived roughly 700 years prior to Yeshua. So it's important that when we read Isaiah, we get a sense that this was 700 years before Yeshua. And it says in verse 5, and I believe we have that up here, he was pierced because of our transgressions. Okay, that's the first time it says it. Right? That that he sat, he's... The concept here is he's a sacrifice for our sins, right? So, first, he was pierced because of our transgressions. Number two, he was crushed because of our iniquities. The chastisement for our shalom was upon him. So that's really three, by his stripes we are healed. Then we go down to verse 6. In the middle of 6, or towards the end of 6, it says... For so Adonai has laid on him the iniquity of us all. If we go to verse 8 in Isaiah 53, it says, For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. The stroke was theirs. So what are we, up to five or six in Isaiah 53? Verse 10, yet it pleased Adonai to bruise him. He caused him to suffer. In other words, Adonai caused Yeshua to suffer. If he makes his soul a guilt offering. So there's another one, 6. And verse 11, as a result of the anguish of his soul, he He will see it and be satisfied by his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous. Okay, so this is sort of the opposite of putting the sin on himself. Uh, Now he, because of the sacrifice, he will make many righteous. And then the second part of that is, and he will bear their iniquities. So I don't know how many we're up to now. Finally, in verse 12, for he bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. There's a theme going on here. And how do Jewish people, or anybody, but in particular Jewish people, allow this to go by and not see it? What we have to do is take each verse separately and break it down so people can see the magnitude of God's prophetic nature when it comes to Yeshua the Messiah. And of course we see it in the New Covenant as well. Romans 5, 6-8 For while we were still helpless at the right time, Messiah died for the ungodly, that's two. For rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man, someone might even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Messiah died for us. So that's three in those verses. There is a consistency here all throughout Scripture. And on this special day, or evening, and tomorrow's special day, people need to understand who Yeshua was. Intellectually, I believe you have to have great faith to not believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. And to not believe that the words even though these are the words of men, they were directed by God in such a way that these mere people, these mere mere men, wrote down words that cannot be disputed. And so it's obvious for God to have that kind of power in Men's hearts and minds without making them a robot. That is supernatural beyond what we can even think. We have no problem understanding that if we put into a computer a certain amount of knowledge, that's what's going to come out. But that's very robotic. That's not thinking. These men who wrote scripture were thinking and had the opportunity to mess it all up, like most of us would. And they didn't, because God had done such a work into their mind and heart that Scripture lines up with Scripture, even though there are over 40 authors of Scripture. Scripture. However, there's one more thought that I want everyone to grasp. And it's really a key thought. And though I don't have time really to go over the supporting scriptures, and it's not on your sheets, we'll have to do a separate sheet for it. But in the Jewish Bible, we learn that we as Jews have always had a high priest to bring us closer to God. We see it especially in terms of making atonement in Leviticus concerning Yom Kippur. God does not want us to just know about him. If we stop there, we miss the mark. He wants us to experience him Day after day. He wants us to be into the Holy of Holies. He wants us to be in His presence. And since He doesn't move away from us, the reason we're not there is because of us. We know in Isaiah 59 nine two it says that sin separates us from God. And so... It's a reason for every morning to repent because we know God will cleanse us of all unrighteousness and our sin but we have to repent before him, show him that our heart is the heart for him and we know that we sin constantly in thought, in word, in deed. So, We have to know Yeshua. Not only to have our sins atoned for. That's one thing, and that is certainly important. But we also have to know him in a way so that we can enter into that Holy of Holies. So we can be in the presence of the living God. And that our high priest is the final atonement for sin, that final high priest, is Yeshua, our Messiah. And that's why Yeshua says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's why Yeshua says in John 15, 6, if anyone does not abide in me, He is thrown away like a branch and is dried up. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Which is why in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, 2, it makes clear what Jewish people Most Jewish people don't believe. But if they believe scripture is scripture, they would believe. Because Daniel 12.2 says, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life, and others to shame and everlasting contempt. So this is a time if you've been listening to me this evening and you have never accepted Yeshua as your Messiah, this is why you should do it tonight. For many reasons. First of all, hopefully I've made a case that is compelling, that Yeshua is who he says he is, Which is the Son of God, the Messiah, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. And secondly, Yeshua is the one who brings us into the presence of God that makes our soul, our spirit alive. Alive. Gives us a spirit of rejoicing, a spirit of peace, that even though we go through trials, we have something that keeps us steady, that keeps us focused on the Lord, because we know Yeshua, our Messiah. So I would ask if there's anybody here or anybody on Facebook Live who has not accepted Yeshua before or needs to rededicate your life, you'll notice this evening I changed things up a little and I'm asking you to say that you've received Yeshua first as your Messiah. Messiah. And then with that infilling of the spirit that God puts in you immediately, he will show you that you need to repent. And once you've repented, he will show you that you need to dedicate your life to him. So I pray right now that that is what you'll do. You say, Lord, I receive Yeshua as my Messiah. Lord, I am sorry and I'm repenting of my sin. And Lord, I dedicate my life to you. If you've said that this evening, I sure would like to hear from you. Again, you can email me at info at We'd like to send you out some materials. We'd like to help you grow in your decision to receive Yeshua. Father, I pray in the name of Yeshua. I pray for everyone here that you would touch our hearts so that we would know that we would know that we would know that Yeshua is lord that yeshua is our messiah we thank you lord for anybody whether it's called christmas or it isn't we thank you for anybody who is worshiping you this evening and we pray o oh lord that you will visit them and strengthen them and bless them and they will be a light to all those around them who are celebrating Christmas but are secular and need to know you, Lord. So I pray if there's anybody out there who does not know you, who is secular in mind, I pray that this day that will change. I pray for us that we will encourage people rather than discourage people. That we will be a light rather than a discouragement when, and, and judgmental. Lord, you don't want us to judge. You want us to raise people up to their calling. And their calling is to be made an election sure, which is Yeshua is their Messiah. And so I ask you, Lord, to give us the confidence, the strength, the wisdom, and everything else we need, the anointing, to be an encouragement. So that we can bring people either to you or even closer to you if they already know you. Father, I bless you. I worship you. I magnify you. And I give you all the glory in the name of Yeshua.